standing, we're going to read some scripture. This is uh, Psalm 100, so a very familiar psalm to uh, uh, most of us. And so let me uh, uh, read that, and you can follow along on the screen. Uh, Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness, and come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Let's, uh, let's pray this morning, shall we? Lord, on this uh, Sunday morning, we come together this morning to uh, praise you and to give you thanks. Lord, we uh, thank you that you are the God who is the giver of good gifts, and every good and perfect gift comes from you. And so, Lord, we thank you for the privilege of, of worship, uh, the freedom that we enjoy to worship, uh, the privilege to gather together and to uh, freely worship you. And so, Lord, this morning we give thanks. We give thanks for the gift of health. We give thanks for the, the gift of uh, family and of church family. Lord, we give thanks for food and shelter and so many things that we take for granted. We recognize and realize that all those gifts come from you. And so we uh, thank you and praise you this morning, not only for the material blessings, but for the spiritual blessings that you have blessed us with, most of all for the gift of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of partnering with um, missionaries around the world. And bless us now, we pray. We'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe seated. Well, we've been looking at the book of 2 Timothy, and uh, we've got one more message left in 2 Timothy, and so we're going to look at that next Sunday. But uh, this morning on this uh, Sunday before Thanksgiving, of course, we're going to think about a Thanksgiving message, and uh, so you uh, uh, will enjoy that this morning, Lord willing. And uh, just a little background and history of Thanksgiving and I always find that fascinating, uh, but here, here it is, October 3rd, 1863. It was during the Civil War, actually, when President Lincoln proclaimed a national day of Thanksgiving. It was November 26, 1863. 1941, President Roosevelt signed a resolution and made uh, the fourth Thursday of November uh, the national Thanksgiving holiday. I find it interesting that uh, President Lincoln decided to have a day of Thanksgiving right in the midst of the Civil War. And this dark period in in our history, uh, President Lincoln decided we need to stop and we need to give thanks to God. You know, it's easy to give thanks when all's going well. When we have our health, when the job's going well, when the bank account's looking good, when things in our family life are, are looking good. The, the, the challenges and the uh, mountaintop experiences and also the valley experiences that is called life to give thanks to God in the good times and in the bad times. This morning we're going to look at some scripture that will enable us to hopefully have the foundation to give thanks not only when things are going well, but also during the challenging times of life. And certainly our nation, 
our world, our country, us as individuals in the last couple years have been through some challenging times. Uh, we're living through a worldwide pandemic. I really think in years to come, our grandchildren and great-grandchildren might be asking us someday, what was it like to live in 2020 or 2021 during that pandemic? Just like uh, we've had occasion in our family to, to talk to grandparents about what was it like to live through the Great Depression in 1929. And so we've, we've experienced a, a challenging time in our, in our world, in our country, in our individual lives. Times of isolation, massive loss of jobs, sickness, death, division in our country, maybe unparalleled since the Civil War. As our country divided between um, masks and no masks, vaccines or no vaccines, and uh, so the question is, how can we give thanks to God during such a challenging, challenging time? Well, we're going to look at uh, four biblical principles this morning, and uh, so let's look at the first one. That will be the foundation for us to give thanks in the peaks of life and in the valleys of life. And so here's uh, biblical truth number one. It's this, the natural bent of the human heart is toward ungratefulness. So our, our bent, apart from God's redeeming work in our life, is not toward being thankful, but the natural tendency in our lives is towards ungratefulness. The Apostle Paul uh, describes that for us in Romans chapter 1 when he talks about what is life like when people reject who God is and don't acknowledge God. And he portrays a downward spiral that we are living through in our American culture today. But here's Romans 1.21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, they didn't acknowledge him as God, nor gave thanks to him. Although they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God, nor did they give thanks to him, but they, their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. In other words, they're, they're not acknowledging God. They're not acknowledging that we have a creator and we have a God who's the giver of good gifts. And so what do you do when you take God out of the picture? You're, you're not expressing gratitude. Your tendency is toward ungratefulness. It was the cartoon The Simpsons, which I don't recommend, but a number of years ago, one of the episodes of The Simpsons was that the family was gathered around the dining room table, and uh, they asked Bart Simpson to give thanks for the meal. And this is the, this is the uh, prayer that Bart Simpson prayed in that particular episode. Dear God, we paid for all this ourselves, so thanks for nothing. That's, uh, that was the message on The Simpsons. And it's kind of sad, uh, you know, when I, when I grew up, you could uh, freely watch cartoons, and even when we were raising our kids, now you have to be discerning about even watching cartoons in, in, our, in, our, in our culture today. Uh, the natural bent of the human heart is towards ungratefulness. Philippians 2.14 talks about do all things without murmuring and complaining. And so uh, that's, that's our bent 
A couple weeks ago in our study of 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul's writing about 18 characteristics that's going to characterize life in the last days. And one of those characteristics is ungratefulness, unthankfulness. Jesus, in Luke chapter 17, we won't take time to read it this morning, but there's uh, 10 lepers that he meets outside the city gates, and they had to be outside the city gates because if you had leprosy, you were, you were living in isolation, and you had to call out, unclean, unclean, so nobody came near you. Jesus heals those 10 lepers and, and tells them, go to show yourself to the priest, which would uh, verify that they've been healed. The 10 leave, and they go to the priest, and one comes back, a Samaritan, to tell Jesus, thank you. And Jesus says, I thought I healed ten. Only one came back. Uh, The natural bent of the unredeemed heart apart from God is toward ungratefulness. Well, let's look at the second biblical principle that's going to enable us to to give thanks always. And uh, here it is. Scripture reminds us that our new life in Christ should be characterized by a life of continual thanksgiving. So here's the, here's the difference between the unredeemed and the redeemed heart. If Christ is in our heart, if the Holy Spirit indwells us, the Bible instructs us that we should live a life of continual thanksgiving. I like to call it thanks living. Not just isolated to one day out of the year, but 365 days. A life of continual Thanks and gratitude to God. The psalmist wrote about it in the Psalm 100 that we just read. Enter his gates what with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Psalm 106 verse 1. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to him for he is good for his love endures forever. It's all through the New Testament. Colossians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul writing to the believers in Colossae. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, writes these words, So then, just as you received Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving, Paul says. Our life should be overflowing with thanksgiving to God. And Thanksgiving Day should be just an expression of, of, of what we were experiencing and, and giving thanks to God all through the year. Overflowing with thanksgiving. First Thessalonians 5, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So many people sometimes wonder, like, what is God's will for my life? Well, here's one we can say for certain. It is God's will for our life to give thanks in all circumstances. Notice it doesn't say for all circumstances, and there's a difference. And we're going to look at that in, in, in a little bit. Jerry Bridges, who's with Navigators Ministry, wrote a book entitled Trusting God Even When Life Hurts. This is what he has to say about gratitude. Thankfulness to God is a recognition that God in his goodness and faithfulness has provided for us both physically and spiritually. It is a recognition that we are totally dependent upon him, that all that we are 
And all that we have comes from God. And so the redeemed heart, the, 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 the believer, uh, the scriptures instruct us that we need to have a life characterized by thanksgiving. Not just on Thanksgiving Day, but a life of uh, continual gratitude to God. Well, let's look at the third biblical truth that will hopefully enable us to do that. And here's the third truth. The ability to have a continual attitude of gratitude is the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. So we're, we're not going to be able to do this, this alone. Uh, this, this is going to be a result of what? God the Holy Spirit living in our life. And so the redeemed person, the redeemed child of God, if you have Christ in your life, we have two choices. We're going to live our life either according to the flesh and our own fleshly desires or we're going to walk and live by the Spirit. And the New Testament contrasts those. And the Apostle Paul writes about the, the struggle, even within his own life, about um, in Romans 7, he says, the things that I want to do and I know I should do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I sometimes do. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am. And so it's the struggle of the Christian life between the pull of the flesh and walking in the Spirit. The ability to have this continual attitude of gratitude is the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Ephesians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there because here's where Paul lays it out for us. Ephesians chapter 5, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Here it is again. This is God's will for you. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Do not be foolish, but understand what God's will is. Do not get drunk on wine. The New Living Translation translates this. Do not get drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. And it's ruined, ruined many lives. I don't believe that the Bible forbids alcohol. But I do believe it's a clear warning and forbidding of drunkenness. So don't get drunk on wine, but instead I want you to be what? Controlled or filled with the Holy Spirit. Now if you're a believer, this is not a matter of getting more of the Holy Spirit because if you receive Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of God lives within you. It's a matter of allowing the Holy Spirit to have more influence and control in our life. And so... Do not get drunk on wine. Be filled with the Spirit. And now here's some of the evidences of that. Speaking to one another with psalms. Well, that was, uh, that was their scripture back then. That was their hymn book, the psalms. Uh, when we're filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Here's the key, uh, one that we're focusing on this morning, verse 20. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is again. Here's God's will for our life to be influenced and controlled and filled by the Holy Spirit. Not to be walking in the flesh, but to be walking day by day in the control and influence of the Holy Spirit. And one of the evidences of that is what having an attitude of gratitude. We're going to look at the fourth one and spend a little bit of our time on number four because this is, this is really the key to the whole ability to be able to give thanks. 
continuously in our life. And uh, so here's the fourth truth that we want to camp on. The ability to have a continual attitude of gratitude involves knowing, and I probably should add trusting, knowing and trusting the character of God. The ability to have a continual attitude of gratitude involves knowing and trusting the character of God. So when the difficult times in our life comes, when we're, we're in that, that valley of life and facing the challenges of life, we're going to have to make a key decision, what? To trust God and to trust who He is. We actually make decisions like that all the time. And I was reflecting on that, this, that decision to trust God and to trust uh, exercise trust uh, in, in individuals um, earlier this morning. And most of you know my, my wife had, had knee replacement surgery just um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we're, we're, at the, we're at the hospital, Henry Ford Allegiance Hospital in Jackson, and uh, it wasn't until an hour or so before the surgery that we for the first time met the nurses, the anesthesiologists, and the surgeon who is going to perform the surgery. I've never met these people in my life. <laughs> and yet here I are faced with a decision in one sense of uh, uh, trusting them and exercising faith and turning my wife and her life over to them. And we did that with full assurance because we had trust and confidence in that medical staff, even though we didn't know them until... Uh, like I said, shortly before the surgery. By the way, she's doing well, and thank you for your prayers, and uh, I think she's going to join us for our meal a little bit later. But uh, so, so we're going to have to trust God in, in the challenging times of our life. Well, let's look at some, some thoughts here um, about trusting God. It, it begins by recognizing that God is the giver of good gifts. God is the giver of good gifts. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. He's the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. Uh, Jesus is uh, speaking to the disciples and He's uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, and this is what he has to say. If you then, who are evil, who are fallen sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children. One of our, one of our delights of, of birthday celebrations and Christmas is what? Giving gifts to our, our children. And if you know how to do that, he goes on to say, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him. And so we need to recognize that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift in our life. And so sometimes we sing the, the doxology, those wonderful words, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now Moses warned the Israelites back in the Old Testament about not forgetting God. They were, they were experiencing um, 
Now, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, after 400 years of bondage, now they're going to go into the promised land. Now they're going to enjoy houses that they did not build. They're going to enjoy all the fruits of the land, abundant provision rather than being in the desert. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses gives them a warning, and the warning is, be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God. Don't forget God as you enter into this time of blessing and prosperity. He says your heart will will become proud and you might forget the Lord your God. You might say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands produce this wealth. But remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so the reminder is don't forget God. Don't forget that it's God who woke you up this morning Don't forget that it's God who gives you the ability to go to work. Don't forget that that you are dependent upon God for your next breath. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. Well, the second thought, uh, the ability to have a continual attitude of gratitude involves knowing the character of God, that he's the giver of good gifts, but also that he is a good God and that he is a merciful God. Again, that's Psalm 100 and Lamentations chapter 3 where Jeremiah writes about the fact that, that God is faithful and his mercies are new every morning. God is good and God is merciful. Theologian Wayne Grudem writes, The goodness of God means that God is the final standard of good. And all that God is and all that God does is worthy of approval. God is good. God is merciful. It's all through Scripture. Psalm 25, 8. Good and upright is the Lord. Again, Psalm 100, the psalm that we read. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. That's an encouragement to me. It should be an encouragement to you that God's faithfulness is a faithfulness that's going to extend from generation to generation to generation. So God's been faithful to our grandparents' generation. And God's been faithful to the generation before us. And God's been faithful to our generation. And if you have children, the promise is God's faithfulness will be there for them. And if you have grandchildren, God's faithfulness will be there for your grandchildren And if you have great-grandchildren, God's faithfulness will be there for them. God's faithfulness will endure through all generations. After we're long gone, God will be faithful. And so uh, his faithfulness endures forever. Psalm 119, verse 68. You are good, and what you do is good. Jeremiah 33, 11. Give thanks to the Lord Almighty, for the Lord is good, and his love is good endures forever. God is good, and God is merciful. Now, if we're honest this morning, we we sometimes have to ask the question, though, well, what about the world in which we live in? What about about the, the evil that we see in our world? What about those 17 missionaries that are uh, to my knowledge, still being held captive by terrorists in Haiti. Why would a good God allow all of that? Well, that's a whole uh, whole new message. 
That's why uh, theologians have struggled with that and written books on it for many, many years. I'm holding one in my hand uh, by Randy Alcorn, who wrote a book, a long book on heaven. And uh, this one's entitled, If God is Good. The subtitle, Faith in the Midst of Suffering and Evil. It's 493 pages long, so um, we won't go through the whole book this morning. Uh, but uh, he, he, ad- he addresses that issue. And again, we don't have time to, 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 um, to go into depth and go into detail, but um, here's a couple thoughts uh, that might help us. Number one, we define goodness from our finite and fallen perspective. So sometimes what we think is good and how we define goodness is not God's perspective of goodness. In fact, the Bible says his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. Remember when Job began to question God and the end of the book of Job? And and, uh, God then began to interrogate Job and he asked them like 85 questions at the end of the book of Job. And like, well, Job, where were you when I created the earth? And and he begins to ask all these questions of Job and Job finally just falls down and, and worships God. We define goodness from our finite and fallen perspective, and then we criticize God for failing to be good in our eyes. There's a a legendary story, and I just have a a piece of it this morning because it's it's quite lengthy. Um, But it's a legendary story about a farmer. And I've entitled it, That's Good, No, That's Bad. And it, and it kind of illustrates the fact that we don't always know from our limited, finite perspective what's good and what's bad. Here's the story. One day a farmer had one of his horses run away. The neighbor stopped by and said, I'm sorry about the bad news. And the farmer replied with a question, who knows whether that's good or bad? The next day, the runaway horse returned with 12 wild horses, and the neighbor stopped by and said, glad to hear the good news. And the farmer replied, who knows whether that's good or bad. The next day, the farmer's son was riding one of the wild horses, trying to tame it, and he was thrown off the horse, and he broke his leg. And the neighbor stopped by and said, I'm sorry to hear about the bad news. The farmer replied, who knows whether that's good or bad. The following day, an army recruiter came through town and enlisted every able-bodied young man to go off to fight in a war. The farmer's son was exempt because he had broken his leg. The neighbor stopped by, glad to hear the good news that your son did not have to go off to war, to which the farmer replied, who knows whether that's good or bad. The story goes on and on and on, and the point of the story is that um, sometimes we have a different perspective, and uh, God's perspective is much, much broader and deeper. Well, God is good, and God is merciful. Randy Alcorn goes on to say, the existence of evil does not contradict God's goodness, since God can ultimately use evil to bring about greater good. That's all through Scripture, isn't it? That God can use evil to bring about what greater good. And we simply have to look at the cross 
and Peter's sermon on uh, Acts chapter 2 on Pentecost Day, and he says, you with your wicked hands crucified the Son of God. And yet what did God do? God used that as uh, our redemption. And three days later, he rose again, and God brought good out of evil. The story of Joseph in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, hated by his brothers and and uh, thrown into a pit and uh, sold as a slave. And, you know, the end of the story is God worked through that whole situation and through all that, that evil. He finally faces his brothers and he says, you intended it for evil, but God intended it, what, for good to save many people alive. And Joseph's um, key position there was crucial to the survival of the nation of Israel and the world in a time of great, great famine. Thirdly, Randy Alcorn says, God can accomplish good even through our pain and our affliction. Psalm 119, verses 67 and 71, the psalmist writes, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. He writes in verse 71, It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. One of my friends has said, uh, A blessing is anything that draws us closer to God. And sometimes God uses the pain in our life and the, the afflictions in our life what to, to draw us back to Him so that we walk with Well, the ability to have a continual attitude of gratitude involves knowing the character of God, that He's the giver of good gifts, that God is good and God is merciful. Lastly, that God is sovereign, that He is in control, that His purposes will be accomplished. Again, God's sovereignty gives Him ownership and authority over the universe. God's sovereignty is the biblical teaching that all things remain under God's rule and nothing happens without his direction or permission. That's again the book of Job. All that Job went through, that horrific series of events, it only happened because what Satan had to ask God's permission. Therefore, Martin Luther said, even, even the devil is God's devil. God is, God is sovereign He works in all things for the good of His children. Those all things include evil and suffering. God doesn't commit moral evil, but He can use any evil for good purposes. And so God is in control. Even when we feel and sense that our lives are are out of control and our circumstances are out of control, God is sovereign. God is working. I love the phrase and the saying, Nothing can happen to me today. Nothing good, nothing bad, without first passing through the Father's hand. God is a sovereign God. John W. Peterson, the songwriter, a number of years ago, wrote a song. The words are this. So when you don't understand, when you don't understand what's happening, when you can't trace His hand, what is God doing? He says, trust his heart, that he's a good God, that he's merciful, that he's sovereign, and he's working ultimately for our benefit. And so God is on the throne. He's on the throne of the universe. 
the last chapter has already been written in, in the book of Revelation, and we know that the, that the history is simply his story, and in the culmination, uh, Christ returns, and, and God wins. He's in control of our nation. He's sovereign over our church. He's sovereign over our individual lives, so much so that he says not a, not a sparrow is going to fall without the knowledge of God the Father. He knows the very numbers of hairs on our heads. And so whether we feel like it or not, we choose to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord and give thanks to Him because He is good. So if you know Christ as your Savior this morning, if you've been redeemed and the Spirit of God lives within you, His will for our life is to have a life of thankfulness and gratitude and the spirit of god as he enables us to do that as he works in and through us and as we trust who god is his character that he's the giver of good gifts that he's good and merciful that he's sovereign and he's going to work out everything in our life every single detail for our good spiritual good and his glory and when we know that we can give thanks no matter what we're facing. Let's, let's pray together, shall we? Lord, today we thank you. And Lord, whether some of us are experiencing the mountaintop of life and life is good or some of us are facing life's challenges, Lord, we're thankful that we can choose to give thanks to you because we know explicitly that that is your will for our life. And Lord, we don't do that with just a a random thought, but we can do that because we know who you are, that you are our Father, you are a good, good God. You are a God who is merciful and kind and loving, Lord, that you are in control of our life. Nothing can happen to us without your allowance. So Lord, we're going to choose to trust you, and we're going to choose to give thanks to you for um, today and for this past year and uh, for the fact that we can trust you with tomorrow. Lord, help us to have grateful hearts, not just on this Thanksgiving week or Thanksgiving day, but help us to choose to give thanks um, every day to our good, good God. We will give you the thanks and we will give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.